You're listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie Benton, culture consultant and founder of Liberty Mind, and I want to inspire people to create unique company cultures where our human potential can thrive. In this podcast, I talk to organizations and employees about the impact of company culture. Together, we can make it thrive. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. How are you faring with season six? I really hope you are enjoying it as much as I have enjoyed recording it. Have you had an existential crisis yet or are you feeling super inspired? I hope that as we put our heads into the future, you are feeling more motivated, more excited about the possibilities that still await our company coaches. Today's episode was mainly inspired by David Attenborough's recent documentary, A Life on Our Planet, on Netflix. I dare you to watch it and not cry. For me personally, it was both harrowing and motivating, making me really want to understand what it is we can do as individuals and as businesses. To help us on that journey and what it means for the future, today I'm talking to Jake Fines, the Director of Holcomb Nature Reserve and General Manager of Conservation at Holcomb Estate. Jake has been featured across the media for his passion and work in the conservation of the environment. And in this episode, I'm talking to Jake about where our heads need to be at when it comes to future-proofing for the world we have created and the changes that are yet to happen through climate change. By all means, some of the things you might hear today, you might think, oh, I already knew that, or I know that. But how many of us are actually doing those things and taking those actions right now? My hope is that after this episode, you really start to look at even your local environment and what you're doing both as an individual and as a business in regards to everything you're doing that has an environmental impact. So let's get started. Hi, Jake. Welcome to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast. Introduce yourself to our audience and what you do. Hi, my name is Jake Vines. I am the director of Holcomb National Nature Reserve and head of conservation at Holcomb Estate. Holcomb Estate is a 25,000 acre private land holding on the North Norfolk coast. And my role is to increase its nature, its biodiversity, increase uh, the way it produces food in a more sustainable manner, uh, and also influencing others locally, regionally, and nationally. Fantastic. So as people might have guessed, today we are really focusing on the environment. I think this has become something that is at the forefront of people's minds, especially after the recent documentary by David Attenborough. So why do you feel there is such a lack of care and consideration from businesses about the environment? So this this has just happened over time. Um, So... When we acquire wealth, we um, we spend it on holidays. We spend it on on smartphones. We spend it on disposable items, and we've seen this perpetual growth since the eighties, since the Thatcher years, where um, we've had more and more income, larger disposable, larger disposable income, 
and our food has become cheaper. So we've kind of, over the last 40 years, become disengaged with our natural environment. And, and that we are now beginning to see that it is, this is hugely detriment to those environments that fundamentally sustain all of us. So it's, it's, a, it's just been a, um, a steady disengagement with, with the natural world. Uh, we've become more urbanized. We've become, we've become more global, but, uh, but haven't really focused on the impacts that we're having as individuals. Absolutely. I must agree with you. I think it's really interesting because as an individual, you know, when you watch something like the David Attenborough documentary and you're kind of faced with the very realistic um, consequences of what we have done to our natural environment, it does make you take stock of, you know, your choices in life and the things that you do in your own environment. And it can become very um, small. You might, you might think, oh, it's only me as an individual that can, you know, make an impact. It's not the things maybe I do or the things I'm connected with. But especially when it comes to our workplaces, I think there is also a shift that needs to happen in our, in our cultures and how we run our businesses. I mean, is there any particular impacts that you think we will see in our workplaces and our businesses as our environment our environment begins to change? So, so firstly, we sit in the comfort of our living rooms watching a wonderful um, uh, David Attenborough telling us of the devastation happening around the globe and species loss, deforestation, ice caps melting. Um, it doesn't affect us. We watch it and it's very powerful and it's very moving. But actually, we don't see we don't see this currently. We don't see this ourselves. But we are starting to see as climate change starts to take hold, we start to see these effects that start these these weather events that start to affect us. And it's until something affects us as individuals that actually we really feel the urge to do something about it. So we've had the wettest, one of the wettest years on record, one of the sunniest Septembers on record, one of the hottest uh, Aprils on record. So this is climate change. This is when this is starting to happen in front of our eyes, um, and we we don't. Uh, but it's still not affecting our daily lives. It might affect us, you know, the half term is very wet, so we'll, we might go to the cinema, but COVID has prevented us from going to the cinema. So slowly things are starting to affect us. Um, and it's then that we realise that as individuals, we have to do something about it. Now, we can, we can, all, we can all play our small part. We can uh, use, uh, not use plastic bags. We can drive less. We can... Um, we can, I don't know, not uh, eat eat less eat less meat, um, but it's actually those are quite small. Those are quite small measures in the grand scheme of things. The the fundamental change has to come firstly from government allowing the mechanism of change within industry and business. So because it's industries and businesses that will fundamentally. Uh, change the way we do things and how we operate you know when i went to mcdonald's as a child everything was plastic and foam based packaging now you go to mcdonald's their milk is organic their uh, their packaging is paper or cardboard so they are making changes and we still go to the, we still go and get our 
fast food takeaway, but actually that businesses have started to change. And we see this across these global businesses, the uh, the Unilevers and the Googles and the, of this world are already making differences to their businesses, which will fundamentally affect the way we act and the way we do things. And it was only last week that the Scottish government were going to ban uh, single-use plastics like straws and, and pl- plastic cutlery. So they make, they put the legislation in place and that affects the way we do things. So that's how it works. But we, we can all do things, you know, we can all do things ourselves to make a difference. Absolutely. I mean, in terms of a business operations, because like you mentioned there, you've got some really big brands like Google and McDonald's and Unilever. But in terms of a business's operations, what are some of the biggest mistakes or common misconceptions that business owners make about the environment and their impact on the environment? They, as a, as a small business, I mean, let's you know, a small business is, is considered someone with less than five employees. The small businesses probably only have a turnover of uh, in the hundreds of thousands. Um, but actually, they they the differences they can make is they become more streamlined. They can look at uh, you know already the digital age is allowing us producing. We're printing less paper. We're you know, we're communicating. If you're an office-based business, you know, COVID has demonstrated we can we can converse with each other uh, virtually quite easily. You know, I haven't I haven't travelled um, beyond the confines of Norfolk uh, for the last six months. So I've actually made an impact to climate change because I haven't got on a jet plane. I haven't driven across the country for a meeting or jumped on a train for uh, for meetings in London. So so I've changed the way I operate. And actually, each business needs to make steady, small steps um, in ways they can become more efficient, more economic, but also ways where their business is perceived to others to be more sustainable and environmental. And I think that gives that business huge, huge power for, for its consumer base. Because the more we hear about, the more we hear about the green recovery, the more we hear about how we can improve our water quality, how we, you know, there was, it was only last week that how much water we put, the, 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 the sun said that we fill our kettles up too high and we use too much energy because we just overfill our kettles. There's a really small steps that can make, make significant differences if, if collectively we do it. Mm. I like how you mentioned there as well about the perception of our customers and our clients, because I think we are, as consumers, becoming highly conscious of our environmental impact. You know, you've got the massive increase in veganism. Um, you've got, you know, uh, more activist groups um, being championing the government and and I think even over the years you know there have been a number of protests and campaigns led against brands damaging the environment I mean Greenpeace notoriously goes after brands who have in some way impacted or been associated with environmental change Um, what do you think we should be should be done to encourage businesses to care more about the environment so when when they see that when they see their their uh their client base move to businesses that are more friendly. I know what, probably the one of the greatest examples of this is the body shop. You know that was reusable plastics, and this is this is decades ago um, that the body shop started to promote its business as one that was good to the environment, using natural products that weren't tested on animals, 
and you know that that business that business thrived whereas uh, a business that is based on petrochemicals and single use plastics actually people will turn their backs on those businesses and will favor the ones that are uh, have better greener credentials but we must be really cautious about greenwashing where we give an image but we're doing something else behind the scenes and it's must we must make sure that the entire supply chain is is working as one because you can soon you will soon be found out by the investigated green you know the the, the friends of the earth greenpeace and if they find chinks in your environmental credentials they will come down on you and then your your business becomes fragile because people turn their backs on you Mm, absolutely yeah I think a great example of that was many many years ago when Greenpeace sort of requested Lego to stop supplying Shell after the big oil spill so they were no longer to supply um, Shell with you know Lego pieces for their nurseries and things like that so they really came down on Lego to say look we, we don't think you should be supplying a business that is drilling for for these products so it's it, there's so many examples out there and I think you're right you know you, you can't say one thing but to be doing another I, I, I so most of most of what I do is land-based and interestingly I, I was speaking to a farmer who who has a microbrewery on his farm and produces molten barley and then brews it and sells beer at his farm gate and I said that's wonderful and it's all very local and it's a premium product but how do you get more people to buy into to buy into what you're doing you make the entrance of your farm look amazing you have hedgerows full of blossom and uh, and grasses grass areas full of flowers people will then uh, be attracted to that and then come and you and already he so he's implemented this and already he's seen an increase in his turnover Wow. slightly skewed because more people are traveling around so more people have been driving past his his farm gate but but i believe that was a that was sufficiently enough for people to look and go that looks green that looks something i want to buy into let's investigate definitely so what do you think businesses should be considering when trying to become more environmentally sustainable because it feels like sometimes there's a big mountain to climb it's so i think i think it's this you know it's the simple things it's the you know the, the not offering plastic bags it's uh how you present your products that you know plastic is something that people are uh, are becoming more aware of uh i think you know if i'm i'm just trying to think whether it's a whether it's a, in a food um whether it's a food outlet you might be looking at sourcing your food locally uh you know Avocados. Everyone wants an avocado, um, a mashed avocado and bacon sandwich. But actually, we know the transportation of avocados and unseasonal avocados is hugely detrimental to, uh, to the environment. So actually, it's making those sort of decisions. Um, so ch ch changing your changing your menus that become more seasonal and local. Uh, it's um, and and explaining that to your to your customers that actually we are only sourcing our food from a from a 100 mile 200 mile radius and i i'm slightly um you know if we look at all of the food that comes in from europe um potentially with trade deals we might see that become more expensive so it might also be an opportunity to source our, our, our local ingredients because they would they could be cheaper 
Mm, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's it's fascinating looking into how much produce we actually source outside of the UK. And um, I mean, especially in my local area where I live, I'm really fortunate that we have a lot of independent um, shops, um, you know, refill um, stations, things like that, where you can go and you can take your own container to um, get different types of food without having to purchase any more packaging. Um, so I think there is a bit of a, a momentum happening. Um, but like you say, going sort of back to what you mentioned earlier, I think it's really easy for people to be disconnected to their local environment because like we see on these documentaries, we see the Antarctic or we see the rainforest and it's all almost glamorized to a point where, you know, you oh, I've certainly never been to the rainforest or the Antarctic. So I'm hugely disconnected from those imagery images that we're shown. Um, but actually, you know, it's about a localized environment. And I think that is something that maybe isn't promoted heavily enough. Do you think? Uh, uh, absolutely. Um, you know, Rhinoceroses and orangutans uh, uh, and pandolins are, are, are wonderfully sexy, and they're images that we see the Prime Minister only recently talking about. Um, but what have we, what, you know, uh, in the last 30 years, how have we seen our environments change? Um, probably very little, because actually the changes in our environments happened prior to that. So we've come accustomed to seeing to what we see is the norm but we've seen all these declines since the since the mid 60s early 70s we see catastrophic declines in species and uh habitat loss and habitat degradation so we now think this is the norm so if we can have um pillars of hope and we must we must really promote those that are looking after our environment and those that are exemplar of, 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 of habitats and species. Um, and we can then uh, promote those. So if we look at the Nep Castle, the wilding mo model, uh, and how they've looked at some iconic species that we can all relate to, like the turtle dove and the purple emperor butterfly, actually they've created a whole business model on getting people to go and see wilder places. Uh, the places that are vibrant uh, with life uh, to the point that if you go there in the spring, your bodily organs vibrate with the sound of birdsong. And you can't experience that anywhere else. This is under, this is under the, um, this is next to a very, very busy dual carriageway and under the flight path of Gatwick, but actually still it's alive with nature. And that's, that business has now excelled based on people wanting to come and see nature in quantities that they don't see on their on their on their doorstep mm, that's so interesting i suppose it's really difficult because some businesses um ultimately have that connection with nature so in some way for example you know food manufacturers they're very aware of um their supply and demand and how their food production has an impact on the environment so there's that there's that direct link for particular sectors but for those that are maybe, um, you know, separated in some way, so for example, you know, the, the tech or digital sectors, um, how do you think they can become more aware and engaged with actually how the environment may impact their business, but also how they can contribute to supporting the environment? So, so when businesses finally make the connection that the environment is key to their longevity, uh, um, 
and then they start to invest in the environment. So I think those digital companies, those 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 businesses, uh, those online businesses can uh, can invest through uh, natural capital, uh, and when the science catches up through carbon sequestration, so they might not be able to do things themselves as a business, but they need to buy into enhancing our environment. We cannot rely on government and the and the public purse to maintain maintain this. We need everyone to buy into it. So you know already. Um, uh, there, there are businesses, and Coca-Cola is a very big invest, investor in water quality throughout the UK. Uh, Marks and Spencer currently invests, does its environmental offsetting in Costa Rica, because Costa Rica is sexy and it's a rainforest and it's got vast amounts of biodiversity. But actually, if we can make the UK, the British Isles, uh, we can make parts of those become attractive so that businesses invest in that. And that's really key. So I was having a meeting last week with the chair of Natural England, Tony Juniper. Um, and we have, in the in England, we have national nature reserves. And these are government-funded areas of really important uh, habitats and species. And they're, they're, they're run by wildlife trusts, national trusts, RSPB. All these organisations run these um the, these air, these these special designated areas. It just so happens I run one of the largest ones in England. But actually, I need people to buy into this, and I need uh, so I need to create a brand that I can get these businesses and industry to invest in, because that's them putting their money where their mouth is. So so if I um, I had this wonderful conversation uh, with uh, someone who's looking to market uh, honey. Honey is a, a you know, wonderful natural product, um, but it's uh, rather the branding is rather outdated. But could we create a new product that is actually appealing to the the millennials and the Zs of this world? So we we look at the packaging, but also. For every pot of honey, their suggestion was every pot of honey, we plant 100 flowers because everyone associates flowers with the natural world. That's great. And I said, as a landowner, as a, sorry, as a land manager, why not say 1,000 flowers because 100 is tiny? So suddenly if, if the consumer is going in to buy this jar of honey and it says we're going to plant 1,000 wild flowers for each pot that's planted, Suddenly, then the consumer is buying into the environment. The brand has bought in the environment because then that's committed to investing into into biodiversity and habitat creation. So th then we all start to connect with it. Then if we know where these special areas are, we can go and visit them. That then is helping other businesses within the service sector, within uh, accommodation. So slowly, slowly, the links, the links to connecting people uh, the consumer through business, through government incentive, through to the environment start to happen. And, and, and that's, I think that is slowly evolving. Um, so uh, every business, uh, I would hugely recommend that every business starts looking at ways it can buy into nature. Definitely, I would 100% agree. And I agree with you as well on the, the fact that, you know, I think uh, our next generations are becoming hyper aware of the environment. And it's almost becoming something that is sort of demanded of from from our next generation. I think, you know, um, I'm classed as a millennial in quotes, I don't like to stereotype myself. But unfortunately, I fit into that bracket. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, very aware of uh, and conscious of my choices. But I know that those younger than me 
are much, much more aware and attuned to these things. Um, and I think it's then going to also influence the way businesses and company cultures are formed because they, you know, they're, they're very um, outspoken and very activist led our next generation. And I think they're going to demand the people that they work for and the brands that they buy into. I think they're actually going to demand that, you know, environmental sustainability is actually something that they want to put their money into. But but if so so if you're if you're a business and the, you know the, the the average age of the, the the management team is probably in his early forties right through to his mid sixties, you really have for the for the health of that business and your your future customer base, which is the next generation, you've really got to cha- change and adjust because they they are the next generation is becoming very demanding. Its voice is now being heard. Uh, and the, uh, of standards that they expect businesses and industry to, to to meet and adhere to, because it's their lives that are going to be affected, and their children's lives that are going to be affected if we don't start to make these changes rapidly. Absolutely, I mean, just rounding off, really, Jake. It seems sometimes that as much as um, the environment is sort of campaigned about, and there's lots of it in the the media and on social media, um, and it's kind of put in our faces. It doesn't seem that it seems sometimes something that people are maybe going to do a little while down the line. They, there's almost like this delayed reaction slightly to the importance of it. Um, and I think it's actually now, like right now, we need to be starting to take action and be doing things and making changes. Um, so what would you say to those that are thinking, oh, maybe we'll do that next year once COVID is over? Maybe we'll do that in six months to a year's time. What would you say to those who are maybe delaying the problem? Okay, where the, where there is change, there is opportunity. So currently we are in climate change. And where there is opportunity, there is innovation. And it's always the early adopters are the, the ones that make the benefits. So if you're going to say, well, I'll just park this one because I've got COVID and my staff, I've furloughed half of my staff for four months of the year. And maybe that's something I need to worry about next year or maybe 2022. Actually, you'll miss the boat because this is starting to happen. This is really, you know, there there is, you know, large financial institutions are all made ready making the changes. There has been a huge exodus from investment into petrochemicals, and all that investment money is sitting there waiting to go green. So if you if you start to change your business now, look at start to look at um, valuing natural capital. Start looking pricing indexes of carbon capture and where you can make changes in your business, whether you choose to invest in it or as a or as a individual businesses make changes yourself. Uh, if you wait, you'll miss the boat, um, and someone else will jump in your shoes. Very wise words there, Jake. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, you've certainly inspired me and I know that you will. your wise words will certainly resonate with everybody else who listens to this. So thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. You've been listening to Make It Thrive, the company culture podcast with me, your host, Lizzie Benton. If you've enjoyed listening and want to keep up with all things culture, don't forget to subscribe. Thank you so much for listening and I look forward to welcoming you back next week.